I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. There are some times where the culmination of all the things you've been geeking out about for the last, say, two or three years kind of come together in one spot, and it just all mixes into this fantastic meal to enjoy. Right. And that's where we're going today. Okay, great. So, dear listener, if you just stumbled across this, you are in for a treat. My favorite set of episodes that we did were very early on, which you and I have talked about uh, or at least I've said that a handful of times, <laughs> and it's the stance, coping style, and affect groups. Mm, if you haven't yeah. gotten a chance to listen to these, you should after you binge through the villain series, which is a masterpiece. But <laughs> I loved those podcasts because it wasn't just talking about these three elements of the Enneagram, stance, which is how you get what you want, affect, which is how you connect to the world, and coping style, which is how you solve problems. What we did in that series is we paired each of the stances together, and we talked about relationships. Right. And that's what we're going to do this time. We're going to go back to that stance and relationship material, but this time we're going to overlay it with the stuff we did last week on time. It again is the case. This is has been just so helpful, mind-blowing, and useful, all in the same you know, it's in a little box there, right. just ready to be open. Right. Well, it's been fun to discover how, like, this this one issue, time, orientation, sort of infects and informs, it, it sort of weaves its way into all other aspects of talking about Enneagram. It is nuts to me when you open that box, mm-hmm. and it just does every yep. single time. The more that I just meditate on it, it obviously takes a lot of time, <laughs> time to hmm. put those ideas down on paper or even record them, but it's there. Right. there there's so much there, and maybe we'll, we'll plow through some of that here uh, th- this time for sure, and maybe next time. Right. Big idea for us tonight is we're talking about stance. If you're new to the Enneagram, stance is about getting what we want. So three sevens and eights are aggressive about getting what they want. Ones, twos, and sixes are reactive about getting what they want, and four, fives, and nines withdraw to get what they want. Big idea for us here is that our stance is a tool, the tool for getting what we want, and it is exclusively focused on one realm of time that is aggressive types. They use this tool almost exclusively in the future, right. and reactive types are using it almost exclusively in the present, and withdraw and types are using a tool that's utilizing the past. And when we understand that about our stance, we can name how we're connecting to the world, how we're getting what we want, and it affects so much in our relationships. 
there's so much to say here, but w- let me create space for you. What do you, what do you think? Well, I think that um, we'll talk about this more as we get into it, but I think that as you start to notice that your orientation to time points you in a direction, then you notice that the people around you might be pointed in a different direction. And all of a sudden it makes sense why you're like, why, why, like some of the struggles that you have is because you're literally facing in different directions. Correct. And, and, and the reason that you get along with certain people so well is because you're facing in the same direction. It's, it's, it's almost like trying to describe something that somebody else isn't looking at. It's exactly right. Yeah. Or sometimes there's a complementariness here. Right. I'm unable to access the past. I need people in my life who bring that those flavors out. Right. Right. And this is something that a lot of us don't ever think about. We um, it's it's not new material in Enneagram world, but it's not it's not really commonly talked about yet. And we think that it plays a role in, in most aspects of how the Enneagram works and like just starting to learn about it illuminates so much. And we're really excited about, I'm excited to just talk about it, let alone what can be learned from it. So boom. Well, let's get into this. Uh, again, this around the circle, we pick a topic, we go around the circle. And today we're talking about how our stance affects our relationships. So when we're in relationships with others, they get what they want by either focusing backward, forward, or in the present right now. And when we're in relationships, we get what we want by either focusing backward, forward, or just now. And being able to name that focus means the world to how we communicate about our priorities, how we engage the things that are most important to us. Man, it's just, it, this is a game changer. It's been a game changer for me um, right. in, in my family and in, in our business, in TJ and I's business. This comes up all the time now. Not only as um, this is why we're in disagreement, but as something that really allows us to say, okay, in this moment, we really need to push into so-and-so's skill set because they're the one who is future-focused. Right. And But regarding this question, we should push into so-and-so's skill set because they have a past orientation. In utilizing our, our superpowers, that's, that, again, so helpful. Right. Maturity is about holding the past, the present, and the future all in balance with each other and... and Learning to recognize what part you focus on and what part the people around you focus on is just a step toward maturity. Yeah. We need each other to shore up each other's deficiencies. Right. They aren't weaknesses necessarily, but they certainly are blind spots. Right. We've used this metaphor a handful of times in the past. I I don't remember just using it recently, but imagine that Enneagram is like a a set of notes and everybody gets to play just one note. If you only got to play one note, you couldn't make very interesting music. But when you get a bunch of notes together, you can create songs. And this is one of those places where we really see that. Right. When you can communicate well, draw on each other's skill sets, focuses, natural focuses, natural foci, uh, <laughs> it can really make things better. So, there are six combinations here. It would be two withdrawn types, 
a withdrawn and a reactive, a withdrawn and an aggressive, two reactives, a reactive and an aggressive, and two aggressives. We're going to just go through those six and just talk about the dynamics at play between those combinations. This will be immensely helpful if you know what your person's type is um, or what your boss's type is or your, what your kid's type is. You certainly don't have to. But if you do, certainly listen for those combinations mm. or even combinations between two people in your life who you care about who perhaps are fighting or just constantly, you know, not on the same page. And perhaps this will bring some clarity to it. Right. Just a reminder that if you don't know that person's type, you don't get to type them. The number one rule about typing other people is don't. Uh, it, it's just, it's dangerous. It's, it's, you could be wrong and you're now putting them into a box that they don't necessarily belong in. But the caveat for us is that stance is one of the things that you can a little more easily recognize. And, and that is what we're talking about today. So if you don't know the other person's type, you can sort of, you can guess, just make sure you hold it really loosely. Like this is, this is, it's really, really important for people to discover their own type and, and for us to not put a type onto them. So you can, you can guess and you can sort of operate from that guess. Just make sure at all times that you hold that guess loosely. Bang. Well, I want to start with the withdrawn types and we'll just start with two withdrawn types. So Great. there's a four and a five or a nine in relationship. Right. So there's only a couple combinations here, a four and a five, a five and a nine, or a four and a nine. Right. Anyone in the withdrawn stance? Both of them will be past-focused. These are the tools that they're going to use. They're going to use past tools to get what they want. Right. So real quick, we've obviously just did a, a long podcast on this, but you know, like, what's the, the quick explanation here so that we can, we can jump in? So the focus on the past is about uh, looking to where we have been, what we've known, uh, the experiences, both from our personal lives, for those in the withdrawn types, and the history of the world. Uh, Everything leading up to this moment, what has worked, what has uh, gotten us the things that we want? Uh, how how have things gone in the past? That's that's how we all. That's how past oriented types focus on solving today's problems. Is what has worked in the past? Would it be appropriate to say the tools of the five are the tools that make them feel safe, and the tool for the nine is the is something from the past that really makes them feel calm or comfortable? Mm-hmm. Tool for the four is what makes them feel special, unique, give them a good sense of their inner life. Yeah, absolutely. Those are principal tools. Those aren't secondary tools, right? Right. I mean, right. That, that ends up being a large measure of how four, fives, and nines get what they want in the world is utilizing tools that give them what they want, security, attention, and control. Right. Yeah, and I'll always, always looking to the past to achieve that goal it's a focus on the past as a way to get those things that they're actually looking for. Yep. So in relationship, you're going to have two withdrawn types. These are two action repressed types. Both of them will be backward looking in order to get what they want. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like in relationship? Well, I think it it looks like uh, a relationship that doesn't 
necessarily have a lot of I mean, all, all the obvious stuff. Not not a lot of forward movement. Not not a lot of planning on where we're going. But is really comfortable and sort of content with reminiscence as a mm-hmm. as a focus. So fours, fives, and nines being in relationship are going to talk about things that have happened to them really comfortably. And they're not necessarily going to be focused on things that are going to happen. It's like that relationship is going to going to hinge on like I, I'm thinking about the relationships I have with other fours, fives and nines. And we're constantly talking about, oh, did you see this? Do you remember when that thing happened? I have this story from high school that I want to tell you about now. And those types of people are going to be drawing from their past experiences and from things that have happened in the world. And, and that's that's how they that's what they bring into those relationships. So it's it is going to be a lot of reminiscence and it's going to be really hard for those types of relationships to push forward because their natural focus is on what's behind them. Mm. When we did our our first dive into this pairing we called these the space seekers. Mm-hmm. There's something about 4 or 5s and 9s where they're they're looking to find the spaces where there isn't going to be a whole lot of activity, yeah. Right. Where they can be comfortable, where they can where they can reminisce, where they can can sort of turn inward a little bit. Not necessarily looking to to set or accomplish big goals because we're comfortable where we're at. Yep. Because it's familiar to us. And both of them have that past focus. One of the pairings that we talked about was from Shawshank Redemption of what Red and Andy. They are in a space that they just don't leave for, you know, for a few decades. Right. The the whole arc of the movie is, will they actually ever, you know, go out of this one space? Mm -hmm. Lots of backward focus there, though. Yeah. Andy, the banker, very aware of investments, power of investments to get what he wants, understands how I think it's even the the language in that movie was something like geology is the study of time right. and pressure. Right. Uh, and then red is the guy who can get things for you. Right. That is, he knows here are the, I mean, it's not systems, but it's, how does that work for, for well, he knows what levers to pull to get what he needs. Yeah, there it is. And both of them have fashioned out their rhythms, their niche. Mm-hmm. And carved out sort of a comfortable space for themselves. The tools for creating that space for both of them are different, but they're both past oriented. Right. Well, and and, and notice, like, I, I think they're also going to be really a really good example of how withdrawn types will struggle with the future. Because notice that, that the future that they discuss is not one that's rooted in the real world for them. Mm-hmm. So, so they don't talk about what I'm going to do when I get out of here. They talk about what I could do if I could do anything. Yeah. You know, and Red struggling with not having any kind of vision of getting past the parole board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and like Andy is, is, spoiler alert, Andy is in the midst of carving his escape route and never tells Red about it. They d- discuss a Watanejo, but it's it's in this sort of fantastical, hypothetical kind of setting. 
It's even as a, here is a resource for you to remember mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Once you, once you are able to get out, remember this thing because that's where yeah. I'm going to be. Yeah. And isn't, isn't Zoetaneho, isn't it a return for Andy? Like, didn't, did he go there on his honeymoon or something? No, the tree is, though. The tree where he proposed to his wife is something right. that's out of his memory. Okay. And that's, again, he's given red tools from memory. Right. When you get out, I need you to go to this place. This, this was place from my past that has significance. There, there it is. He's mm-hmm. using these tools from his past. And even when he, when this is the very end of the movie, and I know this from memory, I didn't even prep any of the Shawshank stuff. <laughs> <laughs> For Andy, he says, I want to go to a place that has no memory. That's what they say about the Pacific mm-hmm. Ocean, yeah. is that it has no memory. And it's like, I want to, I want to move into a new space that perhaps is more future. But, you know, it's not just here's all the bad things that have happened in the past. For Red, his last time in front of the parole board, the guy asks him if he feels remorse. Well, remorse is a past, you know, you're taken in the past and how does it make you feel today? And he says there's not a day goes by that I don't feel regret at what I did Mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. All these tools. Anyway, all these tools being utilized, you know, to get what they want. Right. Where are the places that these this pairing's going to struggle? Well, I think we've we've touched on it already. It's it's this this pair is going to have a really hard time getting things done together. Mm-hmm. Like this pair already struggles with getting things done on their own, and having having another person that they can reminisce what with is going to stifle that even more. Typically, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just it's really hard for the this pair to get the ball rolling once it gets rolling it might they might do okay but they're gonna have they're gonna really struggle to start start moving in a direction especially if it's just the two just this pair without having an outside force sort of pointing toward a future for them they're really gonna struggle with envisioning an actual future and making goals to get there. That's that's the biggest one, I think. That's perfect. Brings us to then the next pairing would be reactive types and withdrawn types. Again, reactive types, their stance is in the present. And withdrawn types, their stance is in the past. Reactive types, ones, twos, and sixes, when they are paired with fours, fives, and nines, there's again going to be different focuses now different time orientations in terms of the tools they're using. So uh, you want to you talk about this, Perry? Well, uh, one big thing to note here is that the, the reactive types are going to be looking for, they're going to be sort of reacting, if you will, to the energy of the other half. So with withdrawn types being sort of focused in the past and, and action repressed, Reactive types are going to either join that energy and and sort of like their their focus is going to sort of drift, or they're going to start pulling. They're they're going to need to become the driving force, so they're going to start pulling the the withdrawn type forward in a way. Now, uh, reactive types are very they're present focused. What's happening right now? 
what needs to be done, uh, who am I around? Like this is their their focus is on what's happening right now, and they're not so much looking to the future, but that that past focus from the the withdrawn types can sort of help anchor them. Oftentimes, like this is so reactive types are uh, their thinking repressed, so they have a hard time remembering and letting productive thinking infuse their planning and their their decision making so the past focus of the withdrawn type can actually really help boost that uh for sixes in particular just remembering the things that they've done well can be really beneficial to sixes and because they don't have an anchor in that past focus being paired with a withdrawn type can really help. Remember yesterday when you did that thing that you're really worried about? Well, you already did that, so you know you can. Uh, and the same goes for ones and, and twos, the being able to w- draw on the resource that is that withdrawn type will help center them a little bit more in not just being able to plan for what they're doing, but also remembering where they've been. And having that present focus for the withdrawn type will help give them a little bit of drive. There are things that need to be done right now and you need to get off your butt and do them because these things have to get done and having that present focus will help really draw that withdrawn type forward. I think that's a great intro to the dynamics at play here. Here's the tools of the past. Here's the tools of the present. And there, there may be a tug of war in terms of the conversation. Mm-hmm of we should really leverage the past. We should really leverage the here and now, how that materializes. Ones, twos, and sixes are going to earn the things that they want in the world, and that's a very present-oriented posture. That's not how four, fives, and nines work, no? Right. Yeah, the fours, fives, and nines are not at all concerned with earning because they're looking to the past and, and things that have already happened. So that energy that comes out of the one, two, and six is very much here and now. Walk mm-hmm. into a room, who can I serve? Yep. It's not how four, fives, and nines work. No. Walk into a room and think about how to get out of it. Right. <laughs> Where's the escape hatch? <laughs> Where's the safe space that I can I can plant myself for a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I bet you there's a place I've I've been in this room before yep. and that corner over there worked. Yep. Yeah. That's that's a big part of it. One, twos, and six walk in. These are the places uh, that I bet I can bring some value, connect to folks with the thing I have to offer. What would be terrible in these relationships is if the reactive type said to the withdrawn type, this is how it's how it's done, perhaps. You need to be like me. Right. This is this is one of the places where these types and and all non-same types will struggle here is expecting that the other type should be more like me. Yep. And that's that's going to be reactive to withdrawn. It's going to be withdrawn to reactive, and especially with the aggressive types, <laughs> because there's balance to be had, but there's also good in each focus. We need to bring all three into balance, not subjugate one because another is better. Yeah. Notice how repression works here. I think the struggle between these types probably comes out in the repression a little bit where the one, two, and six really want 
their withdrawn type, the person they're in relationship with, to engage, to get going, mm-hmm. to do some stuff. Yeah. And on the flip side, the four, five, and nine would be put off or frustrated by the inability of the one, two, and six to just get their head around the thing that's important. Right, right. Or even remember the things that have happened that are important. Yeah. Yeah. Does that work for twos? Twos do have an anchor in the past because mm-hmm. of their, because they're in the heart triad. That's more about where their information comes from, not necessarily about where their focus is. Okay. If you want to know where we're going there, just listen to our last podcast. But right. um, where's uh, anything else worth saying here about where this pairing's going to struggle? Well, I think that uh, what you mentioned is a big one. The expecting that the other is going to be more like me and not giving credit to what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned this before uh, because you and I share space and, and, and work out of the same space. Like one of the very common debates that, that we have dis- disagreements that we have in our space is about storage. Mm-hmm. And a, I come from hoarders but also I'm a withdrawn type and I remember all of the things like I I have sentimental attachment to things, but also I remember the value of those, of a lot of those things. And so I want to keep things naturally. And that's part of my withdrawnness. That's part of my past focus because I remember what these things were for. And I would like to have them if we ever need them in the future. Because this is also a good example of, of what past focus is keeping these things from my past in case I ever need them in the future. That's part of how I plan for the future. To speak into that, what's interesting here, one of the reasons I'm so game for throwing things away is I can't remember where I put things. Yeah. And so I don't have an anchor in the past to, if we, if we created space for storing stuff we haven't used for years, how would I know what was in there? I'd probably just go buy it today because that's just the, the quickest, easiest, system for getting the thing done right but i i keep everything so i know that we store it somewhere i may not know exactly where it is but i know it's here somewhere because we keep everything right i i think in part it's where is it and do we even have one i would have to go looking through countless you know square feet of boxes to find Yeah, but it's probably there somewhere. <laughs> well, you just gotta go find see, it. <laughs> see, um, in my mind, you actually have the archival mind going that you would be. Oh no, I put it in this spot at this point in time. Oh, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> <laughs> it's often the case that I remember that it is somewhere, but I don't remember where. So I have to just go find it. And well, there you the, go. Again, this is informed by a long, uh, a long genetic history of hoarding <laughs> on both sides of my family, so <laughs> I may not be a great example of this. But in theory, this may work. In theory, the four, five, and nine can store up stuff. Yeah, because those are tools that they're going to use. Yeah, exactly. And but ones, twos, and sixes are much more likely to be because they are present focused. Mm-hmm those things that we used to have, even if we still have them, I'm not sure where they are. We need them right now. Let's just go buy a new one. That's what That's how is. we solve the problem. It's not just that I don't remember where the tool is. It's that we need it right now. I want right. it when we need it. Right. 
because of the present focus. Right. And you could see how the tension would emerge. Right. So this is this is this storage issue is actually a really great example and and we will talk about it when we get to the future focus with the third part of our of our uh years long debate. Um but but this is a great example of one of the complications about withdrawn and reactive is that withdrawn types draw hold on to these things from the past and reactive types don't really have that same kind of anchor it's it's about what's happening now and what tools resources whatever what what kind of support what things do we need now without considering what's come before yeah you'll have to remind me of this quote but when we talked to suzanne about her marriage she's a two married to a nine and Mm -hmm. she said something to the extent of later isn't a date or later isn't a later is not a point in time (laughs) this is a this is has become one of my new mantras because it it was like a dagger in my heart when i first heard (laughs) her say that it's like someone slapping me in the face with this idea notice for the nine the nine later isn't on the radar because later in theory is a future orientation or for a future term. So really it's not about later. What it is about is about making things calm at Mm -hmm. this moment. And, and the reason that that hits so hard is because all future is later. (laughs) And there you go. Because anything that I put off till later is all future things. Mm -hmm. but just putting off till later doesn't work because later isn't a point in time. And it seems like that's the place to shore up your weaknesses with the help of others or, you know, I mean, you have to get stuff done at some points. Right. So having, so for, for a withdrawn type, having a reactive type that, that says stop living in the past, here are the things that we need to focus on right now is really valuable. And I suppose as we move to the next one, combination of withdrawn and aggressives, it'll be the same kind of message. It'll yeah. be here are the things that are coming down the road. We need to to move and get them get them started. Right. Start getting prepared for that. Yeah. Yep. Bang. One thing I wanted to say about ones, sixes, and twos is it seems like they are relying on present tools that they establish over time. You know, you can't build the house in a minute, mm-hmm. but you can build a house over time and then rely on its sturdiness when sure. the weather comes. Yeah. The sixes seem to be relying on the community that they've built into over time, over time, over time. And so in the moment when things feel shaky, when they need help, that community is is what they pull into. Mm-hmm. And the ones, and this is why ones focus so heavily on right and wrong good and bad and that sort of systematic thinking is that's the only tool they have for stability they build the system over time because in the present moment they need to push somewhere Mm -hmm. and the system is where they're going to push and so two twos twos are going to push into the relationships that they've invested in that was helpful for me i don't know if there's any anything worth saying there but it's an example of how ones, twos, and sixes get, you, that's the leverage point they have sure. in getting what they need in the present moment. Right. Well, I, I think it's, 
the recognition of that is good in the sense of, because I think these things are, are sort of crutches. They're, they're substitutes for maturity. <sighs> I'm fighting words. <laughs> and I, I, I also don't think that they're, um, y- you, you, you mentioned that they're, they're, they're built over time, but I don't think that I, I would suggest that a lot of reactive types build into these spaces so that they don't have to utilize them at their full value. Because I think these, like, like the idea of building it over time suggests that they might be, like, building up a resource from their past to be able to use. But I think they build into these tools so that they don't have to use a past focus. Like, especially thinking about sixes. So using sixes for True. example, like the, the community that they build into. It's still not the, the community that I've had it's the community that surrounds me at this moment. True. No, I think this is why there there can be a lot of manic energy around ones, twos, and sixes mm-hmm. when these things break. Yep. So if the relationship isn't going well for the two, there's going to be real anxiety right. because that's where stability is found. And for the right. one, I need to get this right. If I don't get this right, then that's the only play I got. You know? Right, right. And it, it, in large measure, comes out of that orientation to time. I don't have access to the to the past and future in the same way that other types do. Right. It is the case that I can, well, I mean, we can talk about human growth. Well, we do talk quite a bit about growth in our last podcast on mm-hmm. these fronts in terms of well-roundedness. But this is the entry point right. and the obstacle to overcome. And then sixes, obviously, again, need the, the community around them. Right. And the use of these tools is, I think, in in substitute of the value that the tools represent. So, so by that, I mean like the community, the type of support that the six is looking for, they rely too heavily on getting that from outside of themselves Mm -hmm. because they don't know where that support comes from. The systems that, that the ones are relying on is representative of the type of order that exists in the universe and that they can see more clearly than others. And if they were productively thinking, they wouldn't need to rely on the system because they would understand it more intuitively. Twos in, in relying on the relational connection, the, the sort of favors and the investments that they've made in other people that, those investments exist because the two has value because people care about that person and they're relying on their investments instead of relying on the actual relationships and their, their own personal value in the lives of these other people. Yeah. The maybe a good way to think on this then is how Riso and Hudson picture this. And we, we talk about this in our episode labeled liberation if you guys want to go to to hear more on this, they have nine levels of health and development. Right. In the last level, level one, we wanted to call the level of liberation. And each of our types are kind of like ladders that mm-hmm. we climb up. And at the highest level, the most healthy la- level, 
you get to a spot where you're pushing the ladder away. Right, right. And I think that's what's being described there, yeah. Yep, absolutely, yeah. These are all tools to get you to a place where once you get there, you don't need these tools anymore. Right. Yeah. And that's a lifelong process at times, you know what I mean? Or, Or it's an act of sheer grace that you get to experience what it's like to be liberated from all the hang-ups of your type right? and the freedom that comes with that. I suppose lots to, lots to be said there. We, with not only have we done a podcast on that, we did a whole you know conference on that, which may or may not get posted someday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, bang. Next pairing is the most fascinating to me. I'm not anchored in this pairing at all, and it's the aggressive and withdrawn pairing. Uh, when we did our deep dive on stance, we called this the yin-yang couple mm. or the tug-of-war. Yeah. Withdrawn energy, past-focused. Aggressive energy, future-focused. What do you, let's, let's just talk about the, this, this type of pairing. So it's yeah. the, uh, what do you see here? Yeah, it's a, it's a good dynamic. Uh, it's two types that are sort of opposite each other that are bringing very different ways of seeing. Like these, these two types are like if... This, by the way, is three sevens and eights are aggressive. Right. Fours, fives, and nines are withdrawn. Right. I didn't. And where withdrawn and reactive types are sort of standing next to each other, looking in different directions, it's almost like withdrawn and aggressive types are standing back to back, facing opposite each other. Because withdrawn types are looking to the past to draw tools and resources and and aggressive types are looking to the future and very much focused on where we're going. Uh, and and not even so much focused on where we're at right now, but their, their focus is ahead of where we're at. And so uh, these types will often sort of miss each other because of that. Mm-hmm. There's often a lot of... Not necessarily conflict, but I can't think of a good word. Seems to be a real communication problem or hurdle. Because mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily conflict, but I, I like the idea of a tug of war. Almost like you don't realize that the other person is pulling in a different direction. Yeah. Until yeah. you like turn to face each other. And it's like, oh, that's that's why this is going nowhere. Okay. Right. To just use to put flesh on this again, the a recent event in our building was we we throw weddings, we throw large weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, TJ has been there for every single wedding and knows the exact energy in those weddings. Right. The aggressive type uh, who throws the weddings. Right. Our events coordinator <laughs> is envisioning not the places that could go wrong, but the places that he might be out of control and vulnerable if right. we don't set up the the building in a way that accommodates a few hundred people. Right. Yeah. So he's, he's probably, he's solving problems that don't yet exist in the future. Yep. And I am very cognizant of what things have actually happened in the past. And so I'm preparing for what I remember Mm -hmm. from my past. Well, well he is focused on, solving problems in the future and we're we're solving very different problems that's why it is yep it's the exact same event you all have a long history of working together you all are solving fundamentally different problems in your heart and minds Mm -hmm. being able to name that this is the thing that is really important to me this thing that really is important to me having those on the table so that they can be seen taken in communicated over 
hugely valuable. Right. And, and, and also the opposite of our focus is comes into play in a big way there as well, because the thing that I am willing to sort of let go of because so, so, so my sort of blase attitude about not being able to solve future problems comes in direct conflict with his focus. Right. And his total lack of concern for what has happened in the past comes in direct conflict with my focus. Your, uh, unpack your focus real quick. So I, I'm focused on, like, the this is how these events have gone in the past, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that means I know how it's going to go in the future. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm drawing from that past, and, and this is how, how I'm deciding how to move. We, we don't know how that thing in the future is going to look. I do have resources from my past to help inform how I'm making my decisions, but... Yeah. This thing in the future is going to go how it's going to go, and we can pre- we can plan for it based on our history. But if things go wrong, they go wrong, and we learn for the next time. And the primary for him is he doesn't have an anchor in the past, right? But he certainly doesn't want to feel vulnerable, right? So and those problems that I'm okay letting happen in the future because I'm not focused on the future. He's trying to solve them already. And wouldn't it also be the case that he wants people around him who are going to be strong showcase their strength in, in a, I would assume, in a similar way to how he wants to have things done? Certainly in the ability to see the problem at hand. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And, that, and that's where there's a communication gulf. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I also think that that is we're we're getting a little farther into specifically the eight future focus because the person we're talking about is an eight. And this is, he wants people around that are going to do exactly what he says in the way that he says it. Like there's, there's there's certainly a control element. I don't think that all future focus types are going to be like that. Um, But his, his, the way that he solves future problems has to do with the strength, vulnerability, control, that kind of ideals around him. And he wants, I think all future focus aggressive types are going to be a little bit concerned with the sort of efficiency and, and like getting the job done well. But I think that he as an eight is focused on particular way of managing that. This is where actually I hear it across the threes and sevens in terms of I feel like that's where the aggressive energy really comes into play. We're going to go do this thing because I want to be on that stage. I want to be on that adventure. You know, I want to be what would be in in control and powerful, I suppose. Like I want to be in a space where again, I'm not vulnerable. I'm I'm spending mm-hmm. the eights negative for but the other two, well, but the I- sevens and the threes feel real clean to me in terms of the withdrawn type, I imagine, would feel to the three and seven also kind of like an anchor. Like, mm-hmm. man, we got to go. We got to yeah. go because here's the thing. If you if you if if we're not moving, we're not going to get the prize, y'all. Something but like I, I, I think that the eights are going to be a little bit more, a little bit more aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. And, and even um, I think that threes and sevens are going to be a little bit more invitational. Okay, sure. 
about yeah. getting withdrawn types on board. Whereas I think eights are going to be a little more demanding about it. I feel like three sevens and eights all can just cut those relationships pretty quickly. If they're the, the three detaches, the seven just says, you know, it's just going too fast for folks to ca- yeah, keep up the door yeah. and the eight will run, run somebody over and maybe even smile while they do it. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Heard a, her, I'm listening to a podcast about a real unhealthy eight who was describing their a kind of a badge of honor was the number of bodies that they had left, mm. you know, sure. run over in their, in their, in their pursuit of higher, faster, bigger. The way I thought we, we've talked about how the, the one pairing that of healthy people that often is the may still not work is nines and eights. And if that may still be true, I think the most difficult relationship across the board is actually here. And it's, it's with fours and eights. I think sure. they both value authenticity and maybe not much else. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah. In part, it's a, it, and it's not just future past, but that certainly is part of it. But mm-hmm. it's also eights are the most non, the most uh, feeling repressed mm-hmm. and fours are the most feeling. Yep. Where I see this, I, I know of only one, pairing of this sort fours and eights who has chosen like it's two friends mm-hmm. who love, who love each other and, and do life together. I know yeah. of one marriage that didn't work. That was a four and an eight. Mm-hmm. I know about a bunch of uh, parent child relationships sure. of this sort. And they always yeah. are very Struggle difficult. real hard, especially yeah. in the teenage years. And I think I I'm picking on, I I'm using this combination in particular because I think it showcases the energy of the future focus and the past focused and how it would be so difficult. Um, if you don't have language, you know, for communicating this right in terms of like the withdrawn types in particular, especially in American culture, being able to say, look, here's, here's the tool I'm using to get what I want. It's a past oriented tool. And that's mm-hmm. what I got in my bag. I right. got nothing else, you right. know? And, and when we talk about our conflicts, I'm remembering, I am particularly remembering all of the times that we've been in conflict in the past and all of the times that I've been in conflict with other people in the past, especially mm-hmm. people like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not just about... You being the aggressive type. Right. It's yep. not just about what's happening between me and you right now. It's about what has happened between us in the past as well. Right. And, and for the aggressive type, not just eights and fours, but, but this is true for all withdrawn types and all aggressive types. When we come into conflict, aggressive types are not focused on how it has gone in the past, mm-hmm. whereas the withdrawn types are. Aggressive types are already solving the future of this problem. And oftentimes it's, it's a like, let's get this over with so that we can move on. Yeah. Lots of energy from the aggressive types and a low amount of energy from withdrawn types. But perhaps that's why is there's so much energy going into the tool. Mm-hmm. Here's how things have gone badly in the past on these fronts where three sevens and eights. Why, why would we look at the past? We're moving forward. Right. Let's right. go. And the, there's the where the relationship may break down mm-hmm. is the feeling repression of three sevens and eights comes into play here. I don't care about how you feel about the past. Right. And for the four, five, nine, that's, that's the tool they got. (laughs) And they're not moving because they're actually repressed because of it. Right. 
Well, and even it, particularly thinking about these types in conflict where the aggressive type is perhaps the one in the wrong, the withdrawn type is using examples of from the past. Here's the, the things that you've done in the past. Here's how our relationship has gone, and how, here's how conflicts have gone in the past, et cetera, et cetera. And the aggressive type, the thing that they did wrong already happened. Why have we not moved on from this yet? Right. Yep. Because on the aggressive type side, the place they're finding stability with their tool are these future things. Right. It's the goal for the three or it's, you know, what the ideals or the adventure for the seven. Mm-hmm. The eight has, well, I suppose the eight has their, you want to talk about this? This might be complicated, but the eight has their will. The future isn't realized, so it's nothing material. There's no memory of the future yet. Right. It's it's possibility. But there is the world as I see it. Yes. And I have the strength and the will to order the world according to how I think it should be. Yeah, there it is. What's being leaned into there is my way. My way is going to work, so let's get on board. And the withdrawn type says, we've seen this, we've read this book before. Right. It goes, it goes great sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And, and, we, and yeah, the, the aggressive type is like, no, nah, it's coming. Let's go. We've talked about this in the past with aggressive types. All three of three sevens and eights will go, 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 go until they crash. And when they crash, right. that's when the break ends up being exposing. Right. Wisdom is found in perhaps some some of the language from other types, but especially from withdrawn types. That's a great good for an aggressive type to have those who are communicating into their lives about the past. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's where you need to be cautious. Mm-hmm. Here's where you need to be humble. Here are the things from your own past that you seem to be forgetting. Yeah. These are difficult conversation points, but in relationship, mm-hmm. that's... Uh, real healthy relationships, you're going to be able to grow and learn and lean into each other there. Right. Organizations in particular on this front, you know, if you have more than four or five people doing something, having the multiple voices around the uh, King Arthur's round table, as it were, right. and saying, what, what does moving forward look like? Oftentimes the best voices in how do we move forward are going to be those who are very strong at looking at the past. Mm-hmm. You saw all those photographs of uh, people from the Spanish flu era with masks on, yeah? Right. For example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is uh, one of my favorite books of all time is The Giver. Yeah. And I think it's in part because I, I feel like I am the giver. <laughs> uh, and like his his job, the, the role of the giver in this society is to have the memories of the past. Mm-hmm. And they're the only person in their entire society that has those memories and they're passed down from like when that person starts to get old and is heading toward the end of their life, they pass those memories on to someone else. And like you have to have that role of, of remembering the past. But if all you ever do is remember the past, then you don't go anywhere. It's true. Image that's coming to my mind is Christmas Carol on this front, but Mm, yeah, the value of seeing your life played out in these ways. There was a Christmas Carol scene in Loki recently that I thought was really tastefully done in terms of same story. This is, yeah. here's your past, present, and future. Yeah. Here's, 
And and in an interesting way of saying, here's things that went wrong in, in not necessarily your past, but a past where you played a part. Yeah. And and here's things that obviously you didn't live this life, but here's where your life could have gone. This is the future that you could have have, have had. Mm-hmm. Bing. Well, we'll jump forward then to the next group, which is uh, we'll, we'll get into the reactives. Uh, let's do two reactives. You got two reactives in relationship. This is ones, twos, and sixes. This pairing in particular also has a real interesting energy mm-hmm. between it. So you yeah. want to talk about, about this, uh, these pairings? So, so two reactive types are obviously going to be both present-focused. Uh, one of the interesting things that comes out of reactive types is that they're because their energy is reactive and sort of dependent on something outside of them for them to react to there, it becomes a little bit of a, um, it's not feedback. It's, it's the opposite of feedback. It's like, they don't know they're, they're sort of waiting for the other one to instigate something for them to react to. So ones, twos and sixes will often be a, 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 weird and difficult like like i see these two types being really awkward around each other a lot yep because they're sort of looking for something to react to and and they're they're both doing that to the other i'm sure i've talked about this numerous times that uh with family members with people i've dated uh, with friends if i'm in a car with just one other reactive type it's very common that we just don't talk at all in the car because they're waiting for the other one to get the thing rolling. Yeah. So yeah. What are we going to do? Right. Uh, I don't know. What do you, I the, don't one, know. the one place that this differs, and perhaps the move forward, is what are you both committed to that's outside of yourself that, it, that has energy? Mm-hmm. Um, for romantic partners, sometimes that could be we're, we're doing this job together or we're going on these vacations together. You know, you have something that has energy there or we have this child together. Mm-hmm. And the and the the child brings something up. Right. We talked about uh, the two gangsters in Pulp Fiction being reactive types, and they have a job to do. They're reactive types, but the job is what propels their right. energy. Right. And all of their conversations and stuff are about have have very little to do with the job. Yep. They're just sort of talking. Yeah. But the I think this is a good window into what present focus looks like here because they're they're doing something together Mm -hmm. and so present focus types it's often the case that that their relationship will be built around what they are doing together at the present moment yep and so if they're not doing something together uh working on something then there's there's not much to be had necessarily i've known this i'm tj could probably speak more informed than i can to this element in myself but nearly every depthy relationship i have is based around us doing something together i have almost no relationships with people who i don't go and accomplish something with right and that could be from something athletic we are runners or something philosophical or idealistic or we were Mm -hmm. both in ministry or nonprofit work or you know or we're we're doing podcasts we're doing we're doing something right um i mean even my my wife and i are very much doing things together 
as well as being lovers. Right. And that's a lot of the energy from our relationship comes out of the conversations about what are you accomplishing? What's the next thing? How are we right. how are we gonna tackle that next hill? Right. And and even there, a lot of the future focus comes from her, not from you. Yep. If she wasn't drawing your eye to the next hill, you may not have focus on the next hill. You may be, still be focused at the bottom of that hill. Of all things, for us, the our future focus actually comes in spurts from me, and it comes when I'm in security. It's when everything's checkmarked and I'm feeling strong, capable, I got money in my bank account, and now it's time to do something big and new with energy, and then I get to, to work on the daily project. And she sure. says, have you thought about these 12 things coming sure. up this week? <laughs> sure. Which I have not. Right, right. Yeah. Energy for the reactive reactives often comes around. You know, you both walk into a room and both of you are thinking, who do I serve? Right. What needs to be done right now? Yep. Yeah. That's just worth naming. It might be, mm-hmm. it might often, I mean, I can imagine it being the case for, especially for romantic couples, that it can be very difficult to... Find the connecting points, right? Because you're waiting for the other person to move first. Unless, unless we we've talked about this in the past, like a long time ago, that creating systems at that point for it's your turn to decide, or it's your turn to go first, mm, or right. figuring out something. I was watching the Queen's Gambit the other day, and there's a there's a scene in which two people are playing chess, and one of them grabs. Uh, two chess pieces, one's black, one's white, shuffles them behind his back and then holds out his hands. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to pick one and the white right. comes up and that means that you go first. Right. Because that's where how reactive types might look is it's just you have your pieces set up, they're lined up, they're ready to go, but somebody needs to move first. Right. And oftentimes that decision needs to come from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is, um, I think we're you're going to see this with, uh, withdrawn, withdrawn, and uh, reactive, reactive, that there isn't necessarily a lot of excitement. Like there's, there's no dynamism when these pairs are together. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is something to be aware of. It is certainly mm-hmm. something to name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that there's a little bit more awkwardness involved in reactive reactive unless there's something to do i think withdrawn withdrawn types are going to be very comfortable not really doing anything because you know they're action repressed but without an outside force they'll stay in that comfort forever Mm -hmm. there's there's no excitement to be had in that relationship without some kind of outside force Uh, and that's that's fine it's just something to know something to be aware of but has a in but with reactive reactive it ends up being didn't you and, land on and because time? they're yeah they're they're focused on what's happening in the present moment there that means that they're sort of at the whim of what's directly in front of them oh there you go true yeah there's a there's a couple of people that work at our building who are reactive types and never i never have conversations with them unless it's the case that something's broken and right. then we're and then we're great there's like yep. energy all of a sudden yeah <laughs> and then that's infused yeah. you know like oh this person's really enjoyable and you know, yeah it's kind of that thing because the the interaction without something to to focus on at this moment requires a past focus mm-hmm. 
<laughs> on the flip side, my conversations with most of the people that work at our building who are mostly withdrawn end up being about things like 60s music. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. I'm reacting to the withdrawn person in there. Where just what what are you focusing on? Right. Funny. Okay. Next one is uh reactive aggressive. These pairings generally get some stuff done. This is you would Truth. think that it's aggressive aggressive that are going to be the pairing that gets the most done. They may get stuff done in spurts, but I think right. over the long haul, one reactive, one aggressive is these these folk are, folks are going to are going to build some stuff. Yeah. It's like uh I, I don't know how it works out and anywhere else because our town is tremendously and famously inefficient at plowing our streets. <laughs> but one of the things that they do is they have the one truck that's on the side of the road uh-huh. and the second truck that's directly behind the first truck. Sure. Yeah. That's that's sort of picking up the first truck's uh leftovers. Yeah. It's sort of like that. Yep. The aggressive type is is moving forward and the reactive type is like sort of following behind them. Yep. Picking up the whatever fell off the plate of the aggressive as they were running. I like that as an image. I was talking to a women's group the other day and and said to one set, you've heard that, you know, ladies are supposed to follow the lead of the males in their life. The entire room was filled with aggressive type women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, you will realize this is terrible advice for your marriage because it's yep. never going to happen because you are the one that's leading right. and your reactive husband. It was, it was all these react, these, all these women who are aggressive, who had reactive husbands, you will realize that, that they are waiting to see where your energy is going to go. And there's yep. nothing wrong with that. That's your wiring. Right. Made me laugh. And that's the relationship I'm in. Yeah. I like that dynamic. The both both sets are going to have the tools that they bring. Here's what we're going to do in the future and then the reactive type is going to be, okay, since that's what's going on in the future, this is what we're doing today. Right. And even reacting to the future energy in the present moment. Well, and and, and one of the ways that we sort of we we describe a lot of aggressive types, particularly eights, is about this is this is what we're doing right now to get to this future that we're focused on. And and that I think is the perfect way to describe the dynamic between an aggressive type and a reactive type is that the aggressive type is driving toward this future that they're envisioning and the reactive type is saying here's what we need to do right now to get to that place that you're describing. Yeah. That feels like ones is that true of sixes where would sixes have that posture? toward the aggressive types. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's um sixes are are going to be bigger on the planning side. Okay, but what about this? And what about oh, this sure. thing? There and what go. about this thing? We need to get this and we need to get this. As the second truck in line, it's very much the yeah, what about this the slack. Yeah. Yeah, it's the have you considered as we're just plowing forward. Mhm. We're yep. just plowing forward. Yep. <laughs> well, how does that work for twos? Twos are, are following the lead of an aggressive type in their life. Oftentimes what will happen there is the two is going to be taking care of the emotional oh, needs. Oh, of course. Yeah. Not only of the aggressive type themselves. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say emotional. I should say relational needs. Yep. Because a lot of aggressive types are not going to be very good at... 
Like they're going to let someone else take care of things that they don't want to do. And, and the two will come alongside them as a, as a helper and, and take care of those things. And that will be both for the aggressive types individual person, but also the damage that they cause in their wake. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is that's flipped in my relationship with my wife. I'm the less emotionally intelligent one and I'm pushing by and pushing for more idealistic visions of what we should be doing right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas she is, she, the three is, is, Oh, I don't know how this would work for, and feeling repression. A feeling repression there isn't about other people's emotions. It's about her emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a different type of feeling repression. Right. I mean, threes can still stomp on people as they're pursuing the goal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think that's a, a reflective of a, of a more unhealthy three, sure. which there obviously are a lot of very unhealthy threes in the whole, in the world. And, and the, your dynamic aside, it'll often be the case that that the the reactive type in the super unhealthy three's life is taking care of the damage that the three has done. Yeah, in their pursuit of success. Bang! I feel like I'm way more aware of that with the one with the sevens and eights in my life than I am with the threes. Mm -hmm. But I'll have to think on that. But where's the tension going to be between those with a future orientation and those with a present orientation? Well, it'll be it'll be similar to the past focus, just with le with more energy around it. The future focus types are going to be concerned about what's coming, and the present focus types are going to be concerned about what we need to do right now. And the future focus is going to why do you not already have a plan? And and the future the the present focus is going to be like, hang on a sec. We have to solve this part first before we get to wherever it is you're heading. Like that's going to be one of the main dynamic problems is that, that the, the aggressive types are moving ahead and moving past the things that need to be done right now. Yeah. That becomes, as you, as you say it, that's exactly the dynamic Nearly everything I do with aggressive types in my life is about me building a foundation that they are just oblivious to. Mm -hmm. If you if we're going to build this house, you have to spend a lot of time on this foundation or you're not going to get this right. structure up. Right. Whereas they're already figuring out how to pay for the roof. Right. Right. Kind of, you know. Yeah. Buying curtains. <laughs> yeah. It's like we don't we have to build the foundation first. <laughs> don't worry about curtains. Those are coming. <laughs> Entirely right. And and the on the other side of that, the aggressive types are are ready to move on already. Mm -hmm. Why are we still talking about the foundation? There's much more interesting things ahead of us. The withdrawn aggressive um, parent relationship mm -hmm. can I th it's going to have an energy to it, and I suppose because I don't have a foot in it, I've, that feels to me like a tricky energy. Mm -hmm. The reactive aggressive energy I feel like is a can be one of those places that's very comfortable in a parent-child relationship. Um, there's the complimentariness. I just I, I, I have a handful that are just kind of popping in my head, mm -hmm. it, and it doesn't matter who's who. I'm a reactive, and I have an aggressive child, and I know what the energy is there, but I could see it being the opposite if I was an aggressive parent with a reactive child. It's like, mm -hmm. here's well, what I, I, With the aggressive child, I could easily see the aggressive child becoming the one in the driver's seat. Sure. 
And the thing that ends up happening as a reactive type is I'm thrilled that you're in the driver's seat. It gives me something to perfect. You know, it gives as in terms of my type, it's, mm-hmm. it gives me something to fashion and, mm-hmm. and steer. Yeah. But so, you could also see, we can all think of examples of people, of adults who let their children call all the shots. True. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, talk about that. And I feel like you could easily see that in this in this dynamic is and and particularly twos with aggressive types mm-hmm. because twos mm-hmm. are the most likely to be codependent, just sort of letting the aggressive type call all the shots for them and just saying like th- this this is where the codependence comes from. If it if I do what they want, then they'll love me. The the reactive parent not being able to draw appropriate boundaries around the aggressive child could very potentially become a problem. And and even worse so for a withdrawn parent letting their aggressive child just do whatever they want and yeah. not being engaged at all. That's a great opposite side of the coin there. Mm-hmm. But again, that that plays into a lot of, like, this has a lot to do with health. Yeah, and... To build on that, health also can include self-understanding and perhaps even duty or Mm -hmm. your role in this person's life. Right. They don't get another mom. You have to fill this that that space with your two-ness, with your six-ness, with your oneness. Right. And as the parent who is raising them up in maturity, if they take the wheel and you cannot help cultivate maturity, then you that's going to be. I'm trying to it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> You're going to have a bad time, and people aren't going to like your kid. And you may I'm, have a very difficult time with with your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's all around. And good news, I think aggressive type children actually do want somebody to be in control mm-hmm. or to oversee their energy to create to create the sandbox. They may want to make the sandcastle but somebody needs to be overseeing the sandbox so that they feel safe, no matter how much energy is pouring off of them. Right. And even directed. Like, here's some good uses of your enormous amounts of energy. Mm -hmm. Honing it and giving giving it space to be what it needs to be in appropriate settings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, aggressive people run amok create all kinds of problems. Aggressive people that know how to direct their energy move mountains and and create organizations that change people's lives and and do all kinds of really great things. Yeah. Aggressive people who don't know how to control their energy run over people. It's terrible. This metaphor is going to get lost on most, but Latner and Krzyzewski are a combination. It's a Duke basketball player and coach, and the coach is very much I would guess is a one and the player is a eight and he used uh, the coach used a metaphor of this player after he graduated as the best college basketball player arguably ever at least most accomplished and he went into the pros and just struggled and the coach said to the pro coach who had drafted him hey uh Latner is a fire and if you hone the fire, it can heat your whole building. And if you don't hone the fire, it's going to burn the whole thing down. And that's who, then that's who you drafted. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> that's the kid you got handed on day one. You know, it's over. Right. <laughs> right. 
on the flip side, aggressive parents, I imagine, can have great re- relationships with reactive kids who are mm-hmm. getting pulled into their energy. Right. Right. But on the we have these places I mean, to go and. What's what's the negative there? Like a I mean, aggressive parent, reactive child. I think aggressive parents who are unhealthy. It, it's always the case that like they become dictators, or we're gonna do. They push past their family in such a way that their family gets left out in the cold. Sure. Yeah. But with with reactive types, I I think overly aggressive parents with reactive children you're more likely to push them either push them into becoming sort of a copy of your aggression but unnaturally so mm-hmm. or stifling them to the point where they're whatever's good the good things about them can't come out True. Oh, you need so to be successful it's, it's, like me. You need to be adventurous like me. You need to be powerful like me. Right. And, and with reactive types, because they're reacting to that energy, they're either going to match it, which is unhealthy because that's not who they are. Yep. Or they're going to retreat from it, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is still not who they are. It's it's an unhealthy retreat. Yeah. Yeah, both I'm both well, both sixes and twos, uh, assuming that stress are going to get aggressive, ones might retreat or like compliant to the point of disappearing. Sure, yeah, I can see that. Okay, yeah, bang. Uh, last word on this pairing. There's a lot of energy here. It can be used for good or evil. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of energy. What uh, you want? What's the word on too aggressive, future-oriented people in relationships? So, being that this is the last one, we've already talked a lot about aggressive types, and uh, since we've talked about the uh, dynamic of the other two joint pairs, I think that a lot of what we have to say is going to be fairly obvious. But like people who are only when two people who are only focused on the future are together, they're only focused on the future. That's three sevens and eights, by the way. Right. They're, they're, they're going to be looking toward... They're, they're not going to be thinking about what's happening right now. They're not going to have any kind of anchor in the past. They're going to have grand ideas and visions about where we could be going. And if your vision is different from my vision, we're going to go in opposite directions. But we're still going to be moving, and it's forward for how I think it should be. Lots of what's happening next Tuesday conversation going on here, yeah? Yep, absolutely. These are types that will not want to have a meeting because this meeting could have been an email and that email (laughs) could have been a calendar attachment because all we need to know is what's coming next Tuesday. We don't need to talk about it. There you go. I think we called this pairing the energizers or something like that when when we had them. And there is going to be tons of forward movement if the two have the same values and have the vocabulary and ability to work through common ends. Mm -hmm. But otherwise there might be a lot of aggressive energy coming out in conflict Mm -hmm. and, and, and misunderstanding because these three types don't understand the impact they have on each other. 
and they don't understand how to communicate their own feelings well. Mm-hmm. So not only do they not know, so person A who is in the aggressive stance doesn't know how to tell person B who is also in the aggressive stance, B, you hurt my feelings. And person B, if they do hear that, doesn't understand what it means. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they don't know how to talk about their feelings and they don't know how to talk about their history like that, this is one of the big things about aggressive types being together is they don't know how to communicate about their history and place value in their history together. They're not only their separate histories who brought them to where they are, but also their combined history of this is how from the day we met to now, this is how we've gotten here. They're both focused on what's coming in the future. Yeah. So it, it's, it's very easy for them to sort of misstep in ways that they don't, that both sides don't know how to communicate about. Conversation there may look very demanding and assertive on both sides. Mm-hmm. Which on good days is great for both of them because why are we talking about all these pesky feelings? Let's just move forward. But on bad days is really bad for both of them. Yeah. So I'm in, in a house with two aggressive types, and there's there's a handful of different combinations between the four of us, but when the two aggressive types in my house get in an argument, it's very clear that the other two of us go hide in the basement. Because yeah, of course. Yeah. the eruption of energy mm-hmm. is very different from any of the other combinations. Right. In particular, because they're both solving future problems. Mm-hmm but they are not at all solving the same future problems. And that's in, and that's where, yeah, the communication, yeah, talk right. about that. So in this example of a three and an eight, their, their future problems that they are solving comes with not only the wisdom and the lifetime experience of the three parenting the eight who is a teenager and doesn't know what they're talking about, uh, but also the three is focused on appearance and what other people think and and a, a, attention and affection and relationships and the eight is not at all interested in those things the eight is focused on power and control and autonomy and and physical comfort in a different kind of way that the three is not interested in mm-hmm. the problems that they are solving are fundamentally different yeah and they're both in the future so they th- it seems like there's a little bit of similarity but they're not talking about the same thing. Oh there you go. I mean actually because it's both in the future it's both of them are ethereal. There's right. there's no tangibility to the future. Right. There's so for what example might happen. when we're talking about college yeah. We're talking about college but we're not even a little bit talking about the same thing about yeah. college. Yeah whatever assumptions or visions you may have about what that may look like. Right. Both of which are probably wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you were to throw a, a seven in the mix here, it'd be similar in kind right. in terms of appearance versus adventure versus control. Right. Yep. Yeah. Again, I want to circle back on the good side of this relationship is if you get on the same page and you have the same values, so the aggressive man who works in, in our building works wonderfully with my wife, who is also aggressive. 
eight and a three, mm-hmm. but they have very similar visions about what we're doing with our space. Right. And, and so and they easily figure out how to complement each other to yeah. solve each other's future problems. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and they they they're on that wavelength, same yep. wavelength. And so yep. lots of communication. And neither of them have to deal their pairing does not have to deal with the minutiae of the day-to-day kind of stuff. They All they have to do together is focus on solving future problems. Yeah. Which, if it was just them, all sorts of things would break. Yep. You know, on that front. Right. Because the day-to-day in particular, the day-to-day minutiae, it would not be, I imagine, their, their strong points. Right. Well, and and in particular considering the viewpoints of other people. Mm. Well, for I mean, example, yeah. we are are in the midst of a discussion about our chairs, right? And so we're we're talking as a team, we're talking about whether or not we want to keep the chairs that we currently have in our building or replace them with something different that might be um, easier to move, easier to store, whatever. One thing that the three and the eight are not even a little bit interested in until someone else says it is the physical comfort of those chairs because they do not give a crap about the physical comfort of those chairs. That does not at all play into how they consider this tool for the success of their events. Mm. But the nine with the physical pain disease... (laughs) It's like, hang on a second. Do these chairs have cushions? What about grandma? What about me? What about people who are going to be sitting in these chairs for an hour at a time and are concerned about their physical comfort? Yeah. This is this is something that does not cross the mind of the three and the eight. Right. And it's not because they don't care. It's because they don't, they're not concerned about that at all. It's akin to... I'm, I suppose I'm highlighting different kinds of relationships, but I can imagine lots of three sevens and eights rising to leadership in organizations, especially different given the culture that we're in mm-hmm. and being the ones who are saying, here's where we're driving the bus forward. And that's yep. the exact sort of conversation that they may need to pause on. Oh wait, the aggressive types in the room have all decided that this is the best way to go. And, but then other voices are coming in after the fact and saying, have you considered right. the Have past? Have you considered X? Have you considered X? Have you considered X? And this yeah. is this is one of the places where the voice of the six is really, 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 really important. Six is you need to speak up yeah. because your voice is really important. Is have you considered this? Have you considered this? Have you considered this? And then drawing in voices from the past as well of this is what has happened when these things have been done in the past. Mm -hmm. That's also really important because a lot of threes, sevens and eights, they didn't store that information because the past is unimportant to them. Right. And lots of stuff there. I mean, the one is saying, is this moral and good? And the two is saying, have you considered other people's feelings here? Right. Yeah. Everybody has something to contribute at that level, I suppose. And that's, again, as it should be, our types, the more people that are in the room, the more that our Enneagram type ought to shine out a little bit more and can bring quite a bit of color and value to the space that we really have skill. Right. And healthy people learn how to really leverage the 
abilities of others in the room, especially healthy leaders have the ability to not only honor the, the loudest person, but right. really find the, the skills that the quietest person also brings. Right. Well, and, and we've spent a lot of this time talking about the sort of the presentation, the, the personality dynamics of aggressive types, reactive types, withdrawn types, whereas the, the focus for us is about orientation to time. And orientation to time informs those personality dynamics. And like we keep saying, maturity is about holding the past, present, and the future at the same time. And when aggressive types, when people who are always looking to the future are only looking to the future, they miss out on a lot of stuff that's happening right now and a lot of stuff that came before. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what happened. That's, that's why they're able to sort of steamroll people is because they're looking toward a future and not concerned about what's happening around them. So they need, like, it, it's good to have the voices of people who are oriented in a different direction around us to remind us of the pieces that we're missing. Mm-hmm. Dang. Well, that's what I got, man. Cool. Probably be worth picking up the other side of this coin, which is uh, our intelligence center and the future past present focus of uh, our intelligence center in relationship. It may probably be different, but if you understand that person struggles with fear and you struggle with anger, those are very different starting points. Right. And being able to think through that because two people who are fearful or two people who are angry, that's going to create a dynamic and it's good to name that. Yeah. Well, maybe someday. Maybe there's a part two of this sucker. Uh, (laughs) But in the meantime, so fun fact before we sign off. We have a new uh, website that catalogs what what happens on our website like, or on our uh, podcast, like mm-hmm. how much people listen to. And this right. is the point where you're going to actually turn this off because I can <laughs> see the stats. So for, for two seconds, before you turn this off, go give us some stars or share this with somebody <laughs> that you love, specifically somebody who has a different stance than you actually or has the same stance. We covered that. Um, okay, now you can tune out. <laughs> you can find all the links to all of our stuff at aroundthecircle.org <laughs> and if you want to communicate with us we're on Instagram and Twitter uh, you got anything else TJ? I got nothing man. he is TJ Wilson he's officially awesome and I'm Jeff Cook and who you aren't isn't interesting be who you are morning will come burning